our last panelist, Mr. Dale Butler, former writer, teacher, and minister of government, best known as the fish cake king of Bermuda. He has written some 50 books. Tonight he reads from the book Choir Number One and Choir Number Two by the late Hilton Hill and from the first biography written about Dr. E.F. Gordon in order to highlight the problems he encountered when he came here regarding race. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dale Butler. Thank you uh, to Governor Ferguson and uh, Mrs. Ferguson-Alexa. Uh, first, I'd like to thank uh, Curb, Winfield, uh, Cordell Riley, and uh, NAR Dr. Hudson, and unions, and uh, churches, and our panelists. All of those people who have tackled the issue of race. And already this evening you heard, why is my curriculum so white? which was the problem that I encountered when I returned here in 1976 with an honest degree in history and English from the University of Sussex and had the same issue, why is the curriculum I marked to teach so white, and decided to do something about it by publishing books. And the first comprehensive biography of Dr. Gordon uh, was produced, Dr. E.F. Gordon, hero of Bermuda's working class, which dealt with race. And so when I got the call to read from uh, my books, I was uh, honored, but I didn't it's not one of my fortes dealing with race, but I was surprised that I had actually written about it. In fact, even in fiction, race in fiction, where a, uh, in the World Gazette Christmas Stories, uh, a church lost its minister, and they were expecting a minister from um, uh, overseas, and they waited at the ship for the minister only to discover everybody got off the boat, and they were looking for a white minister, and there wasn't anyone. It ended up being an oriental minister. And he walked right by them, didn't realize it. So that was captured in fiction. Then a book that sold out entirely called Add a Little White, which uh, I wrote mainly because I compiled a group of stories, mainly because I asked a white friend of mine to come to dinner at my house, my summer house on Angle Street. The governor's even been to my house. And so I asked him to come to my house. And uh, this was in January. And he said, well, I'll be away. In February, he said he had a course, so he couldn't come. In March, he said that he had a board meeting, so he couldn't come. In April, he said he was going away. And in May, he said that it was his anniversary. So I said, what about you? Can you come for dinner? He said, no, I have a funeral. <laughs> So what's for dessert? Chocolate cake. And your answer is cut. So what's for dessert? Chocolate cake. Cut. Um, they're wearing black tuxedos. Cut. Uh, well, we're going to have coffee at the end of our meal. Yeah, that's what used to happen at the rappers club every Monday night when they had a dinner. Any reference or hint of color, like chocolate, cake, cut that radio show off. Any hint. Coffee is black. Cut it off. Uh, we have brown sugar and white. Cut it off. They're going to talk about race, so they cut you off. Well, Hilton Hill was about to deliver this speech, choir number one and choir number two, and they cut him off. So you were born. You had been delivered by a white doctor or, or a nurse or a midwife. There were only white nurses, white interns, white residents, mostly from abroad, who were employed in our hospitals. As a colored Bermudian baby, you were placed in a colored nursery, segregated from the white babies who were kept in the white nurseries. At this time, there was a colored medical establishment supported by colored clubs and charities throughout the island where colored doctors could practice. It was staffed by, by very kind colored nurses who cared for those sick patients whose ailments were not serious enough 
to require the more advanced and specialized facilities of the hospital. There was a little facility first located in the back of town near Frizzles Hill and in the latter years on the road to Prospect. However, it was not graced with the descriptive word hospital. Instead, it was called a nursing home. It was a place that provided services in place of a hospital for many colored Bermudians and was able, in spite of itself, to provide the initial training for many able and efficient colored nurses. Somehow, we have always overcome, despite the many obstacles placed in our paths. In, in fact, in my own experience in going to a black primary school, central school, a, a black high school, the Barclay Institute, a black church, St. Paul's AME, I was constantly told it's not about race, it's about performance. That's how you're going to win. Now, back to our typical Bermuda-born baby in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, as School age approached, every school in the island was totally segregated. There were white schools and colored schools from kindergarten to primary to secondary level. Never the twain to mix, even on Sundays. If your parents were Anglican Episcopal, you would attend the cathedral or Pembroke Sunday schools. For example, from 3 to 4 p.m. each Sunday afternoon, white children had already had their Sunday school before the morning services. The Anglican church was the state church. But in Bermuda, it had no ordained ministers who were colored. There were lay readers who faithfully administered to the colored congregation, worshipers in colored neighborhoods, in chapels, not churches. When ordained Anglican ministers, who happened to be black, visited Bermuda from time to time, they would be invited to preach to one of the chapels, or on occasion, they would be honored to preach at the cathedral or another Anglican church in the afternoon, but never at a regular morning or evening service. This did have a fringe benefit because it would provide an opportunity for the number two choir to be heard. Colored Bermudians were not allowed to join the regular choirs which sang at regular services in Anglican churches. They were segregated in choir number one and choir number two. Choir number two was a colored choir which sang only at colored weddings and funerals, lodge services, and other special of a special uh, events and services. There were also colored altar boys, ushers, and organists who performed only at these special services. Even on the playing field, seldom if ever did the colored Bermudians have the opportunities to encounter white, their white peers or to play or perform on the same team. Sports contests were segregated as the school system. Certainly there were no colored members of white sports clubs. In the case of adult sports, there were a few occasions when white teams would accept invitations to be opponents at colored sports clubs, never vice versa. A most prominent sports organization would not even allow colored people on their field as spectators in the 1940s. The Bermuda Government Tennis Stadium was built with tax revenue for the use of tourists and members and friends of white tennis clubs, which of course refused black membership. On we go before the cradle, halfway through a life already. Let us consider the colonial Bermudians' career, even as high school or college graduates. The only fulfilling career seemed to be in a profession like law, medicine, education, or operating your own business. Bermuda's segregation patterns certainly narrowed the job market. Take Finster's government. No colored Bermudian was allowed to sell a stamp in his or her majesty's post office. 
limited levels of employment and positions in the post office of this island, whereas mail deliverers, letter and parcel sorters, and janitorial positions. In the Immigration and Customs Department, there were uniform colored employees, colored secretarial or colored clerical employees. There were none because general secretarial jobs were not open. So what's for dessert? Chocolate cake and your response is? Thank you.